In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Some Kind of Brown. This week, we have two very special guests with us. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Jasmine Jarvis. Uh, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. I currently am a financial coordinator for a nonprofit, and I am the co-founder of Mixed in America. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> that was awesome! <laughs> I love it. Sum it up, you know? Sum it up real quick. <laughs> That's my partner. <laughs> my name is Megan Kimberly Smith. I'm an actress uh, performing artists and also the co-founder of mixed in america oh i didn't know about that other stuff i oh you didn't (laughs) yes i'm a very dramatic human (laughs) (laughs) i'm also dramatic but people only get to hear that for the podcast or my horror movie podcast (laughs) oh oh my gosh you have a horror movie podcast wait that's my favorite genre of movies so (laughs) We're learning things already about each other we didn't know. Wow. I had this podcast and it means so much to me and I'm very emotionally attached to it. And I found that I needed something I, I stress about less. So I have like a five minute review of horror movies podcast. <gasps> oh my gosh. That is so fun. Have you seen Midsummer yet? I did a review on it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Great. The same weekend it came out, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has me very excited, Natalie. Now I'm going to try to pressure you to invite me back on for your horror. <laughs> for your Please. horror podcast. Wow. Well, I did say my goal is to have guests on yeah. once a month to kind of deep dive into a horror movie. There were a lot of movies where I was just like, <laughs> I need to talk about this more. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be concise. Yeah, oh that's- man, five minutes is hard, but... If you want to come back and talk about horror, we, we can definitely do that. <laughs> I will be back. We'll set it up. <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. Mix in America gets creepy with Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> creepy and sarcastic and <laughs> confused. Very confused. And if you listen to the Midsummer Review, you will be introduced to what I like to call the Australian angle, the upgraded Dutch angle. Well, so you both co-founded Mixed in America. What exactly is this nonprofit and what does it aim to do? Yeah, so it's a nonprofit and Mixed in America is a multimedia platform looking to have a more nuanced conversation about race in America, but specifically through the mixed lens. We have three mottos that we go by. It's bridge the gap, mix the movement, and find power in perspective. And so how we kind of explain what our actions to to do that is community outreach, Interviews with diverse people and events. So performing arts events, workshops, etc. I love those mottos. And that's kind of how we tackle this mission. Yeah. Yeah. That last one is probably my favorite because that's something that this podcast is kind of built off of. It's built off my perspective as a multiracial woman who grew up in the South. And that has unique things that come with it. And I talk to other people who have other backgrounds. 
perspective is a large part of what this podcast is. Right. Absolutely. And that's why we're so excited that we're able to collaborate because I think we do, you know, have that common goal in, in finding the power and perspective. I like that a lot. I mean, <laughs> I need to make some kind of mission statement because right now it's just like I talk to people about race and now we're talking about news because people want to hear me talk about news for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that can be enough though. That can be enough. <laughs> I'll be the female Trevor Noah. It's fine. <laughs> there we go. It, it's really hard to talk about race and not get into politics, uh-huh. you know. I mean Oh yeah. Have you guys been following 1619, the New York Times podcast, which is basically retelling our history through the African American experience and how our country was was founded on the backs of slaves and it it just uh-huh. is really going in to that fully. It's, it just reminds me it's almost impossible to talk about race for very long without getting political. It's just, oh yeah, happens. I haven't been following that podcast specifically, but I never try to separate conversations about race from politics because your race and your experience of your race colors how you approach and look at the world. So if someone wants to talk about their political stances and how it's influenced by their ethnicities, I will never shy away from that kind of conversation. And there are a lot of really important conversations that are to be had. And when we were talking before we recorded, we were talking about how to have hard conversations with people who are close to us. Because it's different when you're talking to someone who is not crucial to your life, not part of your support network or your community about race issues. But it's Mm -hmm. so much harder when you're talking to people that you can't just write off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that this That's is a topic right. that Megan and I really, uh, we're really passionate about, you know, how to talk to those people who matter about their potential ignorance or their racist tendencies. How do you approach those topics with those people? How do you navigate those tough conversations? Yeah. And how do you let them see what that feels like for you? Right. It's so, so hard for people of color to be vulnerable (laughs) with Mm non-minority. I just for a second want to define people who matter. And for us, that includes in-laws, family members, friends, but it can also be as distant as coworkers or acquaintances. It's you know, any people who matter, even if you wish they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) This is someone who, like you were saying now, you cannot just brush them off. You you can't afford to burn a bridge with them. And your quality of life would just be so much better if you could come to some understanding and feel respected by them. Right. So first, where do you start? Megan and I, we believe it's essential to know your intention when approaching these difficult topics. Mm -hmm. You know, know what your desired goal is. What do you hope to accomplish with this conversation? And I think it's important to note that intentions are different from expectations. Absolutely. Expectations can lead to disappointments for sure. And it definitely takes time for people to understand and and to learn and to grow. So um, intentions are more about guiding your part of the the conversation and and your part of the relationship and ensuring that you're presenting the things you want to present. Yeah. And I think it's also important when you are thinking about approaching these conversations to know your own emotional limits. Yeah. So that having these conversations and you recognize that you're getting frustrated or your feelings are getting hurt, how and when to kind of 
extricate yourself because these conversations don't have to happen all in one big kind of confrontation. No. Oh, it no. can be something that happens steadily mm-hmm. over time, depending on what you emotionally can deal with. Yeah. I had someone on here who has family that attended a Trump rally. It's very difficult for her to talk to that side of her family. And she had to draw a line, like we're not going to talk about race. And that's one thing that you can do positively, but not exactly ideal. Right. Of course. And that might be a situation where she would have to write them a letter, you know, and maybe as time goes on, those letters can get more and more detailed and kind of build up to having a face to face because I hear you. This is something Jazz and I, with preparing for this podcast, we thought so much about these tips and tools for how to do this because it's not easy. It's so triggering. And that's why we say the, the very first thing before you even talk to anybody is, why am I doing this? And what do I hope to accomplish doing this? And being really specific with who you give your energy to, yes. because you are putting yourself in a position to maybe likely being triggered in some kind of way. And it's like, that's an open wound. And when you open your wounds to someone, you want to make sure that you are driving that force, that you can use your feelings and your emotions in a way that you have a say in, you know, you don't want that kind of heat to be manipulated. That's definitely something that isn't easy and kind of takes a little bit of self-awareness for sure to be able to do correctly and that might come with time as well if something to work on personally when you're trying to approach things like this yeah I mean it takes self-awareness and and self-control honestly because I mean you have to pause before you immediately react and be like okay how am I going to go move forward with this maybe I should set aside another time to address this because I know I've been in a situation specifically with a co-worker and Mm -hmm. it's my it was my boss and he said something particularly triggering to me and I was like immediately reacted (laughs) like didn't stop didn't pause and just like popped off (laughs) and I was like I probably could have handled that a little better you know he he does you know pay me (laughs) should probably chill out (laughs) so I can keep my job but you know (laughs) yeah I'm an Aries so (laughs) I can be a little impulsive but it's definitely important to have that Mm self-awareness self-control and realize okay I'm triggered let me take a breath let me take a moment pause and think about what I want to say and then move forward That's so funny. I have the opposite reaction. I will bristle internally and change the subject, but then like stew over it (laughs) for the next ever (laughs) until I come up with a way that I want to discuss it. But I'm a Taurus and that's how that works. Okay, so we got to meet in the middle. We got to meet somewhere in the middle. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's so funny, you guys. I think that I almost see everything in slow motion and I am usually use it as a teaching moment. I'm like, okay, I am feeling every one of my feelings right now, but I'm going to just put those away for a moment and I'm going to educate this person in a way that they have never been educated before. And then I'm going to go home and cry to somebody about it. (laughs) Somebody's going to feel the heat. It might be my boyfriend, might be my mama, but not this person. They don't get it. They don't deserve it. I need them dancing first. That's why I try to avoid popping off because I'm one of those people who, if you say something actually insulting, my first reaction is to like eviscerate you with mm. words. Like, oh, yep. you think that way? Right, well, right. let me give you this fact, this fact, this fact, uh-huh. this fact. But that's, <laughs> so that's what we're advocating for, Natalie. Like, honestly, we're saying 
people of color should not, after everything, we should not have to hide our emotions at this point. We should not have to dilute the truth. What we are advocating for is an elevation of communication. So how do mm-hmm. you use all of this heat, this trauma, these triggering, how do you let non-minorities see it and digest it in a way that they actually can, you know, like how do we give it yeah. to them so that they can actually see it and learn from it and hopefully the goal to become allies so we can really fight this freaking fight we need allies we need white people to be on our side to really live in a a world that is racially equal we need them on our side so like we have to figure out a way to communicate absolutely and i can see that too and when we're talking about elevating these conversations it's not necessarily taking your emotions out of the not conversation. It's about how to communicate in a way to reach mm-hmm. someone. Because especially right now in this climate, it feels like we have two sides of people just screaming right. at each other and not listening. And it's very difficult to overcome that unless you have a very, not necessarily methodical, but a thought out way prepared to deal with these kinds of things. And that's what we want people of color to have. Like, that's the whole purpose of this collaboration with you today is how do we help people kind of give them a formula? And this is just one formula. There's many. But how do we give them kind of a starting point of how to begin this? Because our ancestors worked way too hard. They gave blood. They gave bodies. And mm-hmm. and so now our sacrifice for the generations to come, it has to be that we have to become so emotionally sound that the generations later on, they'll just have it. You know what I mean? They'll just know how to communicate and it won't be as much of a struggle for them. But I do believe like we are going to have to, we're at battle right now with with words and with communication. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because communication is obviously the one thing we all have in common. And yet I, I don't think we're ever really like sat down and taught the proper way to effectively communicate with another human being. Like that should be something taught in schools. How do you get your point across without screaming and yelling and crying? You know, like how do we channel our emotions, feel them and still effectively communicate with another human being? Therapy will teach you. Right. (laughs) And that's still not, you know, we learned freaking the Pythagorean theorem, (laughs) which I used again in my life, but we don't know how to communicate with people. And and I think that's, that's essential. That's definitely what we're trying to accomplish here today. Yeah. It used to be part of education, elocution, how to carry yourself, communicate. And that art is kind of lost. I think part of the problem is not just that we're not given these communication skills, but we're talking about an area that we were When we grew up, we were encouraged actively not to talk about. I don't know if this is just a Southern thing, actually, but you grew up hearing you don't talk about Mm -hmm. three things, proper company. We don't talk about race, politics, religion. Those are three things you don't talk about. And when you're mixed, unfortunately, sometimes that applies within the family, too. Not everyone has supportive parents that guide you and teach you about your mixedness and your cultures and how to communicate that. So I think our generation 
millennials who were past that point where mixed race marriages are illegal. They're slowly becoming more common, but nobody knows how to talk about them. And because no one knows how to talk about our identities, they're not giving us the tools to communicate to others about our positions mm -hmm. and what concerns us and why are we insulted when someone says a certain exactly. thing. Exactly. And that's why we were like, okay, we got to talk about the tools because it's, it's not just talking about the problem. You know, a lot of things mm -hmm. regarding race is talking about the problem over and over and over right. again. Like, we know so what the problem is. <laughs> Where are the tools at? <laughs> right. Where are the solutions? So, I mean, Jasmine and I, through Mix in America, one of our big things is how do we take a real honest look at the wounds and at the trauma, but also, and I mean it when I say also, because we do want to do both, mm -hmm. try to be forward thinking and solution driven, because I think it's really important. I think this can take you down, you know, oppression can take you down into a depressing spiral. It's hard to pull yourself up and see hope, but there is hope and there are tools. Right. So when we are talking about these conversation and these tools to help us communicate more effectively, what are some things that you think are important tools to have? Okay. So we just talked about the very first one, which is where right. to begin. And that is knowing your intentions and your desired end goal as Jazz beautifully laid out, that is the first thing you really want to do. You don't even want to start any other steps or tools before you know why you're going to have this conversation, why you're going to have this come to Jesus moment with this person, because that will center you. That will ground you so that when you're actually having the conversation, you're likely not to pop off because you're going to remember why you're there. Mm -hmm. Going on to the next thing, Jasmine and I were thinking some logistics before you have the talk. And the first one we thought of after you've come up with your intention and you feel clear on that, pick a location that is safe and discreet. Absolutely. You want to feel like you can fully speak your truth, but you also don't want to be isolated with a person mm -hmm. that you don't feel safe around or trust. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's important for sure. It's a logistic, but it's actually an important thing to to figure. You you want to pick somewhere to have this talk or this, you know, quick conversation where you feel safe and confident, like you can share this uh, space with this person, but but you still feel a sense of uh, empowerment. Like a neutral space, you feel like you can, you're free to leave if it gets too heated. Yes, yes. Exactly. That's a really good idea. I hadn't actually thought of that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's essential because you think about it like when you're having, you know, a breakup talk with an yeah. ex or, or something that's <laughs> vulnerable like that. Like for me, I never, and I've had lots of those talks, I never have them at a coffee shop or somewhere. So I almost meditate yeah. about where I have them because it's like, right. am I going to cry? Right. Am I going to want to, you know, am I going to be sharing very uh, sensitive Mm -hmm. subject matter and where would I feel confident and safe to share my truth and wherever that place is for you that's where you need to have this conversation yeah. probably not at their house <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah I think that's actually a tip that's overlooked really yeah. like you don't actually think about that you know mm -hmm. like popping off at work probably not a good idea certainly not <laughs> probably wait till after work you know yeah <laughs> It might be a good idea to take your boss out like, and be like, can we have coffee or something? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's all about that safe space for sure. And you know, the third step we had kind of plays off of the first, which is write down your thoughts before having the conversation. What issues need to be addressed? You know, was there something that maybe they said that rubbed you the wrong way? Maybe they've done something that made you feel uncomfortable. And I think just making note of those and writing those out allows you to stay focused, stay on topic and, and make sure you address those. Cause if you forget to say, Oh, I forgot that he said that. And I felt really uncomfortable. I wanted to make sure I addressed that. You know, you're going to leave that conversation feeling like you have more to say. So you're writing these notes prior to the conversation? Yeah. Prior to the conversation, just be prepared, you know? Yeah. It's journaling about it right before you go on. Yeah. Definitely. It's healing. It's healing. And it definitely helps you release some of that emotional yes. charge too. So that way it's not released on them, you know, cause in the middle of a tough conversation, you want to make sure you've kind of done some of that healing work prior, just, just so that no one's re-triggered. That is such a good point, Jazz, to like, yeah. it's almost like if you're originally at a level 10, by the time you've <laughs> done the journaling and that work, yeah. then you're at a level five now. So mm-hmm. they can still see all of the heat, but you're able to articulate it. And that is so big. If you're just yelling at right. someone, if you're just attacking no. them, it doesn't matter if every word out of your mouth is right. They cannot hear it. They can't hear it. And so the whole interaction is useless if you cannot articulate yourself. So journaling beforehand, that is big. Yeah. And people usually respond the way you would respond. So like if you approach someone with an accusatory tone or something that's going to put someone else on the defensive, it's always good to like look at what you're going to say and mm-hmm. think, how would I receive this if someone came to me this way? And beyond like getting your emotions out in journaling, I actually write out notes for my episode before I come on and record, but I don't use them as a script. At least for me, it helps develop your word. Mm, When we're talking about articulating, writing lets you exercise and explore how you're actually feeling because you're forced to put them into this context. You're forced to put them down. After writing all those notes, not only will you be more emotionally calm, use it as a moment to self-reflect so that you can articulate those thoughts properly. Totally. Just like you said, you might not even say some of the things that you wrote down because you realize like, wow, that sounded super aggressive. And now that I got it written out, I don't feel the need to say that anymore. I know that that's definitely been therapeutic for me, write an angry letter. And then I'm like, I'm actually not even that angry anymore because I just wrote everything out and and I can address this properly now. I had a therapist once who there were people like exes or family members you had this feeling towards. And she taught me that when you have these feelings that you can't really speak about, as in you can't talk to an ex about it, or it will be a fight with a family member, write those feelings down and then burn the letter. Yes. Kind of yeah. like send it out there into the universe so that you can release it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Super therapeutic for sure. Another way, Natalie that I've heard that my life coach, because I had my life coach has me do the exact same. It's always, I'll call her in the heat of something. She'll go, okay, write a letter. (laughs) And she'll say, write two letters. If you plan on sending one, you're going to write two. The first one you write is exactly where you're at right now. And the second one will be how you're feeling after you've written the first. And she says, sometimes when you don't send it to the person at all, or you're not even going to speak it to them, What you can do is you can call a friend that you feel safe with 
and you can read them the letter because that way your feelings are getting affirmed and being heard. And that is such a powerful thing to beak your truth into existence is so powerful. So I love that as an exercise too that I think is totally valuable to the work we're all talking about right now. Yeah. And in addition to these tools, I think making sure or actively working towards having a support system is really important too. Because if you're having these interactions with family members or coworkers or in-laws, that's really emotionally draining. So you need to find and gather those people around you who understand these kinds of things, who will sympathize with you and hear you on these things when you're upset. And I think that's why having spaces like my podcasts in the Facebook group, like your social media pages where people who are mixed or multiracial can be like, yeah, me too. I had this happen to me is really healing as well. Right. It is. Yeah. Just someone saying, I understand and I've gone through that too is incredibly healing. It's you're just seen and you're heard for honestly, usually the first time for a lot of mixed yeah. people we definitely feel blessed that we can provide that community and space for mixed people because me and Megan were just yearning for it our entire lives. Starved, honey. Starved for the mixed community. Starved. <laughs> yeah. Like you get me. You know, community, finding your community is so huge. It's the one thing that people of color that are monoracial, it's been their saving grace that they can go back to their people and feel... Mm-hmm totally understood mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that makes mixed people that much more kooky and yeah. crazy is that we've been doing it solo we've been like gosh we're not you know we don't feel fully understood in either place so that's why the mixed community is so important yeah and making sure we include other people when we say mixed for some reason it's become this black white thing when you say mixed making sure we include people of different ethnic groups and be like yeah you can say you're mixed too oh yeah oh that's why we like to say multiracial multicultural multiracial multicultural right I'm so glad you said that too, Natalie, because Jasmine and I have talked about it before, but those who don't know about mixed in America, when Jazz and I say mixed, we mean all of the mixes because Jazz and I are both black and white. We got Cuban in us. We got Native American. We got Cherokee, Irish, Lebanese. That's between the both of us. (laughs) But, um, But when we say mixed, we mean every kind of mix. And I think it's important to always kind of reiterate that because yeah, I agree. sometimes there are like little pockets of the internet that are just so exclusive for some reason. And so having spaces that are mm-hmm. yeah. as inclusive as possible are incredibly important and hard to maintain, yeah. but... I think everyone I've talked to who's mixed and has tried to create some kind of space, it was born out of a desire for creating something that we didn't have when we were in those formative years. Everyone I've talked to, why did you do this podcast? Why did you make this page? Well, because... I didn't see anyone who looked like me. I didn't see anyone talking about issues I went through. And it seems to be this kind of movement within the mixed community. In fact, I think it's building a mixed community. It might take a while, but I think it's really taking off. I mean, five, 10 years ago, who was talking about mixed race things? 
Exactly. And now you see popular shows like Red Table Talk having a full table of mixed multiracial women talking about race in a nuanced way, which is what Jasmine and I are always after is, yeah, people are talking about race, but are we just hitting the surface or are we really going into the underbelly Mm -hmm. of this talking about deeper things like being both Mm -hmm. being, you know, all of these, all of these harder conversations to have. They're hard, but you know, Agdrak, who is someone I collabed with before, we talked about these kinds of conversations specifically being like medicine. Mm. When talking about a shared problem, you go through first that affirmation of someone experiencing the same pain. And then naturally you come to this, what are we going to do about it? We both have this pain. We both want to change this for our children, for ourselves, for the future. What are we going to do? And the product of that is what we are doing, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're trying to do something about it. Yeah. The actual actionable (laughs) items (laughs) that we can move forward with, like that is what we're all trying to do. That's why we've created the platforms we have because yes, talking about it is healing, but okay, now how do we move forward? That's right. And I think this conversation with how to deal with people is actually a really good starting point because your first Mm -hmm. tool of setting your intentions is really important because it also helps you Mm self-examine. And like this whole thing, these tools for difficult conversations, what they are also is tools for understanding yourself and then how to communicate that to people in a way that makes them understand and look at you in a way that you want to be seen that's it mm-hmm. that's it Absolutely. because when you set an intention you figure out pretty immediately where you're at right like sometimes you might mm-hmm. try to set your intention for talking to that person that upset you and you might realize you know what I don't even need to talk to them I need to call yeah like not even worth it yeah yeah or I need to I need to check back in with my therapist because I need to get this out Mm -hmm. of me Mm -hmm. get clear about and that's not to say I'm blaming any person of color (laughs) this shit ain't our fault Mm -hmm. but (laughs) of course not and no one's given us the tools like we said before to process our own emotions or process the way we look about race so we need to have those kind of moments where we touch in with ourselves and see why we're hurt why we're angry and decide what we're going to do about it that's right well, uh, Jasmine and I have kind of a cool theory about the racial divide, Natalie, and it's that we've been viewing the racial divide kind of as a relationship. So we were saying like, just like romantic relationships, nine times out of 10, it's a communication issue. So mm. when we were kind of figuring out how we were going to, you know, make some tangible steps of how to deal with talking to people who matter about their ignorance. We found the four relationship habits, which is by Dr. Andrea and Jonathan Taylor Cummings, this amazing group of habits that is actually for a successful relationship. But when I read these to you, you guys are going to see exactly how it applies to talking about race with people who matter. Can I share them? Absolutely. That sounds really interesting. Again, these are the four relationship habits, and they are be curious, not critical. And my gosh, I I mean, I I think it starts out so strong because that right there shifts shifts everything. It literally shifts your approach from being accusatory to more questioning, you know, 
to posing a question rather than assuming. Oh, and there I go. The second one is ask, don't assume. (laughs) (laughs) And that is your communication one, Mm -hmm. 101. That can be applied to everything. You should Mm -hmm. always ask. You should almost never assume because you don't know where somebody's head is at. The third one is be careful, not crushing. Mm. That is essential when you're talking about race, right? Because when people are told that they might have to take a closer look at themselves, like maybe they have some ignorance that they weren't aware of, that's painful for them. I'm not making excuses, but the reality is that's painful for them and nobody wants to admit that. So being careful, not crushing. And I think both of those words are important. Being careful doesn't mean not telling the Mm -hmm. truth. It just means being specific and strategic. And then not crushing means... You don't want to pop off. You don't want to say things that are too damaging to their identity. And then lastly, connect before you correct. Interesting. And that means, remember, you are talking to another human being. Yeah. Right? You want to connect with them. Nobody on the planet just wants a finger pointed at them and wants to be corrected. They want to feel like they matter, like their beliefs matter, Like, you know that they're a smart person, you respect them, but you just need to have this conversation with them. So really quickly, it's be curious, not critical, ask, don't assume, and be careful, not crushing. Oh, fourth one, connect before you correct. That's so interesting, because hearing that we're talking about it in the context of when preparing to have a conversation with someone, but my mind automatically goes introspectively. I feel like before we have conversations with other people, we should also kind of go through that ourselves. Mental health is something that I talk about openly in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And when you feel anxious or you feel some kind of upset or hurt, it's a good practice to take that feeling and then look at it objectively and say, what does this pain look like? What is this feeling I have? Really evaluate it and all the prep work for yourself. And then also being the really important one that I heard was careful not crushing yeah, I have yeah, talked that's huge. to so many mixed people who have internalized a lot of the racism they've been on the receiving end of. Oh, yeah. And that's some self-work that you need to do as well. You need to heal yeah. and see where you're hurt before you can talk about it because sometimes you don't know you're hurt by something until it comes up and then it's just this explosive kind of thing sometimes. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that's such an amazing point. Just going back to to internalizing it, it, I think that the often the way that we speak to other people is the way we speak to ourselves. Yeah. You know, that that's the way our internal dialogue usually sounds. So having that within you first is making sure you're not overly critical of yourself, you know? Be careful with the way you speak to yourself. That directly translates to how you're communicating with other people, yeah. 100%. And it does help with mental health and all of those things for sure. Exactly. We have some sentences, which are examples of starting the conversation that we came up with that are born from these four relationship habits that are applying all of these relationship habits in case people have, you know, done their intention, they've thought about the logistics, and now they do feel ready to have the conversation. Here are some starter sentences. Jazz, did you want to read those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I love these. Um, So the first one's, I'm sure you weren't trying to hurt me. 
but I'm feeling really offended by your remark the other day. The next one we have is, I don't know if you were aware, but when you said blank, I felt super triggered and here's why. Then I don't think this was your intention, but when you make jokes, it sometimes comes off as racially insensitive. I want you to know it makes me feel isolated and put down as a person of color. And our last example is, I don't know if you were aware, but I'm feeling disrespected by some of your actions lately. I want to come to an understanding because I do respect you and want that to feel mutual. And I think that these four phrases, they really embrace those those four relationship tips that Megan had shared earlier, especially the tip of don't assume, you know, each one of these phrases start with, I'm not sure if you're aware, or I don't think this was your intention. And I think that's important because without that, the other person can be super defensive and then immediately close off to you discussing it. We're not saying to sugarcoat anything, but you're trying to get them to listen. So, you know, you got to take some extra care in your approach for sure. It's so true. Like we do not want anything to be diluted. Mm And this is just the start, right? This isn't saying you can't get into the nitty gritty of what somebody Mm -hmm. said that was totally outrageous that you must address. But it's saying this is the way that you speak to someone that you want it to be an exchange of energy rather than you spouting off a monologue to them. You want them to really understand. You want them to feel for you and feel for your experience and hear it. Mm -hmm. Those phrases that you had perfectly reflect what proper communication with someone you're in a relationship with looks like Like they're very useful in very different areas of your life I'm just I'm (laughs) just thinking of here because I'm like I I like these so much (laughs) oh good well girl we'll send it all to you because we want everyone to have to have something we don't want people to feel hopeless I feel like people of color we can feel so lost because you know the it's easy to feel like there's no hope and that this stuff isn't getting better. But, but finally we have the mic, you know what I mean? Like we got the mic now we Mm -hmm. have got to speak, honey, and speak (laughs) to the gods. (laughs) We got to come with that elevated communication. And and that's what the people that came before us, that's what they did. They used their voices to create change while people in power are saying vitriol. We cannot just have a mic. We can make the mic. We can make a platform. We can make sure that while they're loud, we can be loud too and in a way that can create actual change. Yeah. Me and Megan have three communication tips for fostering effective communication. Um, And the first one is listen deeply. The second is take an authentic interest in what they have to say. And the third is speak for yourself and from your own experience. And I think that those three, you know, tie together Mm -hmm. in that you have to listen with the intention to listen. Don't listen to respond, which I think all of us are guilty of doing for sure. Megan had told me a really interesting stat the other day that during a debate, the average person stops listening after the third sentence, which means it takes effort to really listen, especially if you're in a triggering conversation or if someone's offended you. Yeah. And you want to take an authentic interest in what the other person has to say 
which again, you know, that plays off of listening deeply. And of course you want to be heard and you want to get your points across, but you want to make sure you're actually listening to what they have to say as well, you know, where they're coming from. It's really easy in an emotionally charged conversation to start planning what you're going to say when you hear something that hurts your feelings. I know I've been guilty of that before and it's a really hard thing I think to do. Oh yeah, definitely. But there's also, just to add in on that second one, take an authentic interest in what they have to say. There's a really easy way of letting them know that you're taking an authentic interest, and that is to ask questions. If they say something that you don't understand or that you immediately disagree with, you don't have to say, God, I really disagree with that. Well, you can say that, but I would suggest to say, I want to understand what you mean. Can you explain that to me again? Pose questions, you know, dive into what they just said. Don't focus solely on what your points are, but really dive into theirs. That's going to change what people think, right? They're going to say, oh, those people are like, oh, you can't talk to people of color about nothing. Don't start with them. We want to change all of these, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. ridiculous falsities. And when you're talking about race, something I've encountered is if you ask, like, where did this idea come from? Or did you have some kind of encounter with someone that caused you to think this way? There's usually like a point in someone's life or a few points where there's been a situation that has formed or affirmed their position. Yeah. And that's why they think this way. Or they've never thought about it before. So asking those questions helps you actually get to the heart of what is the problem too. People are very complex and as much as I talk about race, it's very easy to get upset with people Mm -hmm. and label people as racist and just, you know, write them off. But people have so many reasons and a lot of fears that have informed their positions. It's always helpful to know what those are so that you can address them and realize that, hey, maybe it's not you. It's not a personal thing. It's because they've had X happen or they've seen X happen and come to that conclusion. Yes, exactly. Right. And that's not making excuses. That's just literally trying to understand another human being's perspective, you know, and experiences. It's being a realist. Yeah. It's being a realist. I mean, we have these goals of racial equality, right? But it's how do we go after those goals Mm -hmm. in this climate that we're living in right now? And it means that we have to address the triggers and the traumas. And, you know, for people of color, I just want to remind, you know, really, really bring this home that just because the stakes are high and the emotions and traumas are involved, it doesn't mean that we should lower our Mm -hmm. bar as people of color, that we should raise it and use the emotions as fuel to communicate even clearer. Don't let them use our anger against us. Just let it, let it be the fire that we use to make our sword. (laughs) And when you said, what is that? Is assume, ask, don't assume. That one in particular, I think that as people of color, when we see all this racism, I've talked to people, so I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who is developing these things. We have to be really, really careful when we're 
approaching white people. I'm on Twitter a lot and I'm in somewhat of a bubble because I've talked about race and Mm -hmm. all these things and people are so easy to jump on. White people are this, white people are this, white people are this. And when we're having these conversations about race, yes, we've been hurt by people who are white or there are people coming against us who are white. But Mm -hmm. if we don't self-evaluate how we think of white people, then we're not going to be able to have these human human conversations. Because I know I grew up in Arkansas, so I have to work through every time I meet a new white person wondering if they're racist or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The generalizations are that's dangerous for yeah. sure. That's a really good point. Yeah. I've had experiences with older people enough to where I know I'm guarded. So going into conversations when you're with other people, it's really important to know those other things that you might have that might close off certain areas of conversation. I mean, these conversations are just tough. These experiences are just tough. But the last step after all the tips, after the conversation is to make sure you let them know how to right the wrong. And I think that kind of could go back to, you know, setting the intention and the journaling and writing it down because it's nice to get your feelings out. But how can they make it right? How can they fix the situation or the hurt that they've caused you? You know, how can we move forward? And, and what actions could they take to make you feel heard and supported? I think it's important to work through that together. Yeah, it's so important because stepping into my white side right now, I'm thinking of like, you know, if I found out that I hurt somebody and I, I realize like, whoa, I really hurt someone and they've shined a light on an ignorance that I didn't know that I had, but now I know, <laughs> what do you immediately want to do? You mm-hmm. want to... F- good normal people want to want to fix it they want to know a step that they can do to let you know that they hear you and that mm-hmm. that they know they were wrong and 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 that they are have the desire to work on it so i think giving them some tools so that they know how they can yeah fix things or begin i mean i think the key word is begin to absolutely fix yeah. things is really good mm mm-hmm. mhm And you're also teaching them how to be an effective ally. Yes, which is like the macro goal for sure. We have some fears that tend to get in the way, which I think are worth noting. Like, you know, sometimes we say non-minorities, they want to keep us down or not only minorities responsibility to solve this racial divide or black people always have to rise above and are expected to forgive way before white people. And this Mm -hmm. kind of, brings up for me fault versus responsibility. Have you heard of this, Natalie? Not as a formed idea. Okay. Well, fault versus responsibility, that idea comes from this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh my god. And <laughs> when I read it, I it literally changed a piece of my brain because the idea is that Just because something is not your fault does not necessarily mean it's not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So for for white people, just because it's maybe a 2019 white person's not, it's not their responsibility, or sorry, it's not their fault that oppression is real. It's not their fault that America was founded on the backs of slaves, Mm -hmm. but it is your responsibility to get educated, to learn how you can be an ally, and to start to change the way we function as a country and right these wrongs. And for people of color, it's definitely mm-hmm. not our fault that we are oppressed. It's not our fault that 
people have these ignorances. But perhaps it is our responsibility to educate as many people as we can, to honor our ancestors who gave their lives and their blood so that we could have the mic right now, and to educate elevate and fight this good fight into the best of our each individual's ability and so that's kind of I think the way I like to look at it is yeah of course it's not our fault but perhaps it's my responsibility to do what I can to make this better there's actually a Toni Morrison quote that I love that is kind of similar to this love Toni Morrison same (laughs) (laughs) if there's a book you want to read but it hasn't been written yet then you must write it and I know Mm. she's talking about books but if we apply this to other areas We're talking about responsibility, but Mm -hmm. sometimes people shy away when we use these kinds of words. Yes. People have other connotations attached to responsibility. But if you think about it in that context, if you want to see these kinds of conversations happening, you want to see these kinds of equalizing between the Mm -hmm. races happening, then you go out and do change. Yeah, I think. Yes, exactly. Your responsibility as a human as a human being, you know, all of us together here on earth, we're trying to coexist yeah. and we're trying to live peacefully. And I think yeah. that's just the responsibility of being a human. <laughs> and, and it is continuous, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So, you know, after these conversations, don't be afraid to check in with your loved ones and continue to have more conversations. And they may want to ask more questions and continue to give them tools to deepen their understanding of people of color's experience, you know, I think you can offer them articles, books, videos, whatever, whatever you find, whatever you think that could help shed some light on experience and people of color's experience. Yeah. And sometimes living your truth is a very, very powerful tool in itself. If they're not ready to read these articles, they're not open to seeing these things. If you live your truth and be an example, then that is just giving this person an example to constantly challenge how they look at you and how they perceive you. Mm -hmm. Live unabashedly yourself, celebrating your culture, and just living that way challenges people's belief systems sometimes. Totally. Well, we have a couple little disclaimers. So I'm going to read those real quick, Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) So Mixed in America disclaimers on this topic. Not everyone is willing to change or face themselves or entertain the idea that they are ignorant or racist. Yeah, we're not saying you could change everybody. (laughs) It doesn't matter how well you'll step to people with this formula or with whatever other communication tools. Like sometimes people do not want to learn about another way. They will be closed-minded to this. But we want to say, just remember that regardless, it is important for you to honor yourself and speak your truth with passion and honor. So even if you do these things and somebody doesn't take kindly to it or you know you don't get what you thought you wanted out of it, speaking your truth, that's power. You spoke your experience into existence and that's plenty. And you don't know how that might shape them later mm-hmm. on. So just saying. The other one we have here is things don't change overnight, especially institutionalized racism and white fragility. So remember, it's about the long game and making it better society, not only for yourself, but for future generations. Patience. 
Patience is a virtue. Lots of patience. (laughs) You might be that lucky person of color that is having the first come to Jesus moment with that white person. So (laughs) be prepared. And lastly, this shit ain't easy. (laughs) And it is triggering every step of the way. And we know that we are proposing something that takes every inch of your strength. And we just thank everyone who is willing to bear the burden of this mighty work because it's burdensome. It, It sucks that we have to rise above. Michelle Obama says when they go low, we go high. And that's not fair, but that's true. Mm hmm. And I just want to add on to that to just take care of yourself. This is hard. And because change doesn't happen overnight, it really wears at you if you don't have a good support structure. Just check in with yourself when things are are too much when you're involved in these conversations too much you always have to have these kinds of balances in your life where you can kind of take a break these are important things we all want to see it change but taking care of yourself and making sure you don't burn yourself out or yeah yourself emotionally is also really really important yeah excellent point well since We started this conversation with the topic of how to have these difficult conversations. And I think we have a few infographics that are going to come from this conversation. But those main ones about approaching difficult conversations are really important. So if you could just go over those again. Great. So first we have where to begin, which is start with your intention and desired end goal. Then we have the logistics, which are pick a safe location and writing down your thoughts beforehand. The four relationship habits by Dr. Andrea and Jonathan Taylor Cummings, which are be curious, not critical, ask, don't assume, be careful, not crushing, and connect before you correct. Then we have our three communication tips, listen deeply, Take an authentic interest in what they have to say. Speak for yourself and from your own experience. And lastly, we have make sure you let them know how to right the wrong. What are the actions they could take to make you feel heard and supported? And I know that's probably a lot for those of you who are listening, but just know that these conversations and tools are things that you are going to be working out like a muscle. Every time you do it or go through this process, it'll get easier. So when we break these down into the bite-sized little infographics, maybe you can work on one at a time. Life is a journey and this is a few steps on that journey to be more self-aware and have healthier interactions with people who matter. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So is there anything that you would like to share that you're working on or where we can find you on social media? Uh, We constantly are working on new new projects and new things. We are going to have these infographics, (laughs) like we said. And, you know, right now we have some interviews and documentaries. People want to check those out. But you can find us on Instagram at mixed underscore in underscore America. And you can also visit our website at www.mixedinamerica.org. And we are always looking for people to interview, whether you're mixed or a person of color, or you you know, have some sort of experience that you think is relevant and, and worth hearing on Mixed in America. Like we want 
to talk to you and we want to know what you have to say. So DM us, reach out on our website, especially if you're looking for community interviews or creating some sort of event or workshop with us because we are always doing new things and have our hands in lots of pots. And all of this and the links to their social media accounts will be in the show notes and in the newsletter that goes out with the episode. Woo! Yeah. So thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm so excited that we got to talk. Yeah, thanks for having us. This was amazing. And we love what you're doing and we definitely want to continue to just work closely. (laughs) You know, it's great to have an ally. I just wanted to say I was listening to your interracial episode, Natalie, with oh, with yes. my boyfriend, and he was just saying how important your specific lens is, like as not only a mixed woman, but a queer woman, and you talking so openly about that and shining the light on a perspective that we're not always hearing about. And I just wanted to say thank you for that, because that's that's allowing me to take in information that I didn't know. So I appreciate that. I really appreciate this lens that you're providing. Thank you so much. I always try to be as open with people as possible. I'm a very open person. I've talked about my health issues. I've talked about and how my girlfriend and I came out kind of together and all these things. And it's therapeutic for me, but I also know that there are people out there who don't feel like they are welcome or seen. And if I can share my story and at least one person feels acknowledged, that's enough for me. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so real. So true. Thank you for having us, Natalie. Seriously, we appreciate. We just, we loved getting the opportunity to think about this, you know, to think about what what would be one option of a formula of how to talk about having these difficult conversations. So it was really awesome to just have a reason to think that through. Thank you for, you know, giving this podcast a little chance. It's just a little podcast in the sea of podcasts, but it's uh, another safe place. And I'm so grateful that you decided to continue contribute as well and you did contribute a lot for us (laughs) we got a lot to say well we all got to stick together (laughs) don't underestimate us little folks (laughs) you guys hear that the mixed community is out here we out here (laughs) we have been forged by the fire and we are ready (laughs) exactly some kind of brown (laughs) Jasmine and Megan are absolutely amazing women. I seriously recommend that you check out what they're doing over in Mixed in America. Again, I will put those links in the show notes and in the newsletter. I'm so grateful that they decided to be on our podcast, and I'm pretty sure this might not be the last we see of them, or hear of them. We'll see what the future holds. As usual, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Some Kind of Brown. We do have a Patreon and our new newsletter that you can sign up through any of the links on my social media. And if you are liking the show, If you could take a minute to leave a rating and review on iTunes, it will really help the podcast and help other people join our community. 
Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I will see you next week with some more Shades of Brown. <laughs>